This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Well, welcome everybody to this special sponsored show where we're going to be talking all things PE with Phil Mate and John Cat Publications. Join in, come and have a chat with us, get your consoles on and run to your nearest electrical devices. We can't wait to chat with you. Happiness Factory, a success-driven approach to holistic PE. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, how is everybody doing? We, yeah, we're in the middle of the term, so hopefully everybody is okay and you're all getting on really well um welcome back well i guess you haven't heard from me from a while i've been a little bit quiet on uh, teachers talk radio but i am back for this very special yeah i think we can call it a twilight show uh, it is very dark outside maybe even the midnight show so yep getting thick into the winter term even though it's called the spring term i've never really understood that in fact, I had some children today who said to me, uh, when can we start taking our work home? I said, well, in July, you can take your work home. And they said, well, when is it July? I said, when it gets warm outside, then you'll know it's July. So uh, yeah, hope you're all managing to keep warm in your classrooms. Uh, I certainly am uh, being in reception, lots of running around. Uh, I'm sure Phil will probably have the same response. Back on for one night only for this very special show in a few moments. I will be talking with uh, Phil about his fabulous book and about all things PE. His fabulous book, which I have uh, had the privilege of being able to have a read of this week, um, is called The Happiness Factories. Happiness Factories, um, a success-driven approach to holistic physical education. So it's kind of all about throwing out the old style of PE planning and working towards a more... uh, whole child view. So I'm sure Phil will have a much better explanation of uh, what the book is about than I did. I just thought before I introduce Phil, uh, if you're listening in live or if you're listening in on a recording, thought it'd be nice just to give him a bit of an introduction and hopefully uh, he is okay with my introduction. So being one for a bit of onomatopoeia, I think that's right. No, alliteration. I thought we would do five facts about Phil. Having done a bit of research and googled him a bit, I have found out that he's number one, he's been in PE for almost as long as his LinkedIn profile goes back. Not the whole profile, and we'll get into that when I introduce him. Um, I also found out that yes, Phil is famous. He has been in Rugby World magazine. So maybe we'll get Phil to send uh, Teach Talk Radio an autograph magazine after our interview. Just kind of a, a quote from his book, which kind of resonated with me, and maybe it will resonate with all of you as well, is, um, Uh, So Phil believes that PE, and I agree with this, can help children to understand leadership, failure and communication. And I think it kind of links in with everything that we're all doing in schools is to teach children skills that can be used across any subject. So it's really lovely to hear that PE, which I think is always such a specialised subject, is falling under that umbrella as well. So I think that's really lovely, really nice, very helpful for all of the, for the rest of us in uh, teaching our English and our maths and our science and which other uh, 
subjects you will do. Um, number four was kind of a question that came up in his book, which I thought was quite an interesting one, just for everyone to really think about. Doesn't matter if you teach primary, secondary, higher education, what you teach or what subject. But the question was, do we manipulate pupils into engaging in PE or do we inspire them? And I think that runs across every subject. You know, are we uh, giving children purpose and everything? And there's a lot of talk about purpose in writing, but I think there should be purpose in everything. And I am a very big fan of uh, lesson hooks. So, uh, yeah, always wanting to inspire children. And I'm sure all of you are as well. So maybe you, uh, you can post on our Teachers Talk Radio, post on our Twitter, uh, how do you inspire your children in, a, in all your different subjects? I would say the fifth point, so five facts about Phil, we are on the fifth one, is that Phil has worked in a variety of countries with children from diverse backgrounds and quite a mixture of cultures. So I'm sure he has seen it all, heard it all, um uh, i'm gonna bring him in so let's see hello hello phil hi how are you hi how are you yeah thanks very much for having I, me no not a problem at all I, how was the intro does that kind of sum you up to begin with yeah i'm quite impressed you know about as much about <laughs> me as most people do rugby world that's a blast <laughs> from the past <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um I, I guess it's just like kind of wanted to start with just introducing you a bit more and kind of getting an understanding of how you've got to where you are now so I guess like my first question would be um how did you get into PE as a specialism because I, I'm in primary and for sure in primary it's seen as a very specialist subject so I just wonder like how you went down that route from like I said your whole LinkedIn profile is not PE so uh, yeah like what led you to that subject yeah I um I had that that fairly typical retrained teacher um, experience. So I always wanted to be a, a teacher and I always wanted to be a PE teacher in particular. Um, I had a mm -hmm. really inspiring PE teacher growing up. She uh, she made me fall in love with the subject both practically and academically and so from the age of about 14 I knew that I wanted to be a PE teacher. Um, I went to university mm -hmm. to study sports science with the plan to become a PE teacher and then life got in the way and other opportunities presented themselves and uh i never quite i never quite took the leap into teaching after finishing university and went and did some other things in it and sales and various other things um and was just assumed that was the way life was going to be and then i had that that really typical kind of second career teacher moment where i was sitting on a train uh, on the way to a meeting in London and it was raining and grey and miserable and I looked around the carriage and saw all these people buried in mm. newspapers or looking at their mobile phones um, and I just sort of thought to myself I, I don't want to do I just don't want to do this anymore I uh, mm -hmm. this this is not how I envisage life going so I went home um, and had a an interesting conversation uh, over dinner with my um, very supportive wife and and uh explained to her that I had this I still had this burning desire to be a teacher and that I was going to go and explore how to do it um, and so I went down something called the GTP route so I found a school that was willing mm -hmm. to allow me to work and train with them I took a ridiculous pay cut <laughs> but uh, it didn't really feel like a, a chore or a burden at the time because it was I was finally doing the thing that I wanted to do and I never looked back and here I am 15 16 years later um, sitting, uh, you were saying that it's dark where you are, it's pitch black where I am and, and um, has been for a while. 
Um, it's not as cold here as it is uh, where you are, but it's certainly still um, <laughs> still colder than we would like it to be at this time of year. And it's just about to start raining for the first time in uh, oh. in a long time. Okay, bit of English weather, mind, mind you. Yeah, home. exactly. So I am <laughs> um, in um, might... Riyadh in uh, Saudi Arabia uh-huh. at the moment. So rain is something yeah. of a novelty for us here. Okay, so do, do you do PE in the rain? outside of the rain uh, uh, we do actually we're quite british in oh, our okay. approach to uh, to pe yeah it doesn't matter if it's raining tomorrow we'll be out we're quite lucky we've got a, uh, a a shade over our our astroturf pitch so although i'll be outside oh, okay. i'll be i'll be dry so okay okay um you mentioned like an inspiring pe teacher how did that kind of get you to like the finish line of pe like in what ways did she inspire you she was just one of these people that just had such a passion for what she did and a passion for mm-hmm. imparting that 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 love of her subject onto her pupils. So I was sporty growing up, just like most PE teachers are, mm-hmm. and I played rugby and, and, and did various other sports recreationally. Um, and um, she, just, she just taught us there was so much more to the subject than just playing sport and I think that's the bit that's really stuck with me is that is I believe that PE is as academic a subject as any and when it's done properly Mm -hmm. it gives you so much more than just an understanding of different sports and games and I think that stuck with me all Mm -hmm. the way through and 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 I still speak to um I'll name I'll tell you who she was her name was Jan Eaton um and I still speak to her now Mm -hmm. and she's still she's retired um she still retains that love for physical education and physical literacy um and yeah she's still as inspiring now as she ever was that, that's amazing that like to take it with you all these years kind yeah, of like, it just probably, takes that one I'm probably, teacher i'm probably older now than she was when she was teaching me pe which is um it's quite oh. scary to think about but yeah i like to think that mm-hmm. what she gave to me is very similar to what i'm trying to give to pupils mm-hmm. in the generation that i'm working with now it sounds that way from like the comment you just made about um, like there's more to the subject than just playing sport. I, I noticed that was kind of one of the quotes from your book, actually. Yeah, I think it's very easy, especially for people that aren't in PE, to see PE uh, from the from the, a surface level where you know we do talk about sport, we do talk <clears throat> about games and technique and skills and tactics and all these things that you associate on the surface with with sport but there's uh, but there's so much more to PE in terms of how our bodies Mm -hmm. work and how our bodies feel and how how we can work with our bodies to make all sorts of other things within our lives better or improve them and and we can we can use sport as a vehicle to teach physical literacy but it's just one vehicle and there are many other ways of doing it as well yeah I think like kind of leading on from you talking about your inspirational PE teacher I wonder like I think a lot of the times we're inspired by older teachers and I know for sure I've taught lessons that I was taught as a kid but I wonder like how do you remember experiencing PE as a child and how has that kind of led you to change your practice a little bit for the children that you teach? Yeah it's an interesting one it's a it's a that it's a question that comes up a lot when we're talking to PE people that that thing about Mm -hmm. um what is your why? Um, and, and it's not just PE. Yes. We don't, don't just talk about our why in PE, do we? talk about it in all forms of education and really understanding why mm-hmm. we do what we do and how 
mm-hmm. our our why shifts and changes as we grow as educators and as as cohorts of pupils come and go. Um, so you know, mm-hmm. I, I my my why when I first set out to be a PE teacher, if I'm completely honest, is probably the same as lots of PE teachers. It's because I loved being physically active and I wanted more more people to be physically active and teaching PE seemed like the best way to give over that love of physical activity to as many people as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. As I've evolved as an educator, and I I really do see myself as an educator first and foremost, rather than a a PE teacher. And, and, you know, you you said that you had a chance to read through some of the book. And I think one of the things that I'm most um, proud of is the fact that although it is a book about PE and it's, to a relatively niche audience, a lot of the messages echo across all sorts of subjects mm-hmm. and right mm-hmm. way through from primary mm-hmm. school right the way up to higher education. And, you know, the messages that we're giving out as kind of PE pioneers is not that different to the message that people are giving um, in the evolution of other subjects as well. So now my why is about imparting mm-hmm. imparting life skills and, and, and looking at at children in holistic ways and trying to see avenues to give them more than just an understanding of physical skills and a load of different sports, but how do we encourage them to be better communicators? How do we encourage them to be able to take on different roles within groups? And how do we encourage those ones that have a natural tendency to lead to want to go on and take leadership roles? How do we build resilience within pupils when things are not necessarily going the way they want them to? How can they develop that growth mindset that that will then support them in trying times? And these are all things that PE does can do really well when you move away mm-hmm. from that really traditional narrow focus of I must teach this group of children these six sports over the course of a year. Yeah, I, I go back to like, you know, how you said you kind of started out with PE as a subject about just like loving being physically active and I we have a trainee teacher in our school at the moment and I said to her that if you won't enjoy the activity that you're putting out can you expect the kids to and I guess that like links quite well to kind of your chosen subject do you think yeah no completely you know I, I think you can be a PE teacher without being a a high level sporting performer yourself yeah for sure but I think that natural Mm -hmm. that natural desire to be active that natural desire to to move and that desire Mm -hmm. to use your body in 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 whether it's sporting or other physical activities I think that's really important because if you if you can show that inspiration in yourself then then your pupils are going to feed off of that and Mm -hmm. you have to role model in a subject like PE you have you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to still be an active regular participant in team sports or in a particular type of individual activity but you have to be able to show that love for healthy living for um, participating in physical activity looking after yourself all of those things because the, the pupils that you're working with will look to you as the example of of what it should look like and I guess that's the same in lots mm-hmm. of subjects. You know, English teachers need to yeah, sure. need to be able to inspire through a love of literature. Um, and it's effectively the mm-hmm. same principle, isn't it? It's you, You've got to yeah. be able to inspire in whatever way you choose to do that. You have to be able to in, to pass on that, that desire to participate. Yeah, for sure. I think it's interesting, like it leads on to my next question very well, is that the way you describe it as a subject kind of shows that, 
it to teach it is teaching kind of the same skill sets and in the same manner that you would teach any subject so I guess my question and especially like in England I think and in the schools that I've taught in that why do you think PE has become like such a specialized subject that a coach has to come in and teach it and it can't be the class teacher? It's a really interesting one isn't it especially in primary education yeah. it's um and it's very current mm -hmm. as well because you know and I haven't taught in the UK for a while now but obviously I, I, I'm still in, in contact with lots of PE teachers in the UK mm -hmm. and still working with with PE departments in the UK and you see it all the time you see the 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 the, the, the nervousness in non-PE specialists mm -hmm. in taking PE yeah. because there is that perception that somehow you have to be a good sports person and you have to understand all these sports and you have to be able to teach children how to play all these sports in order to be able to do it. And actually, mm -hmm. when you really break it down, what we what we really want to be doing is we want to be encouraging these children to move in lots of different ways and understand what it feels like when they move. We want to teach them some fundamental things that will help them with functional movement later on in life. So we want them to be able to to walk and to run and to be able to change direction without without falling over. And we want them to be able to throw an object and catch an object. I'm doing a lot of work with year six at the moment on simply throwing and catching. And there's no sport related to it whatsoever, but that fundamental skill of throwing and catching and the, the gross and fine motor skills involved in that translates across to all sorts of other areas you know the holding of a pen or the holding of a pencil or the picking up of equipment or the gathering all your belongings after lunch and taking them back inside all mm -hmm. requires mm -hmm. similar bodily control to throwing a tennis ball and catching a tennis ball so i don't think mm -hmm. you have to I, I i guess if i could sit in front of a lot of primary school teachers especially um i would say you don't have to be nervous about pe because you don't have to be an expert in 25 different sports in order to be able to <laughs> to teach the children and work with the children and support the children as they learn these really fundamental movement skills and and and, and understand why those those movements are so important to them so i think that answers mm -hmm. your question i think that makes sense yeah, no, for sure. I also wonder if it comes from a little lack of subject knowledge, because, you know, thinking as a primary teacher, like thinking about maybe planning like an English, like, you know, unit of work is that I guess a lot of, I mean, I did a PGCE, so similar to you, I think, but I would imagine that a lot of primary trained teachers maybe got a lot more English training, maths training than PE training. So I wonder if sometimes is it come from a lack of subject knowledge of, okay, I want to teach a child how to catch, but I don't know where to begin in terms of like breaking it down into smaller parts, you know? It, no, it absolutely does. And if you look at the stats around the amount of yeah. time given over to initial teacher education, um, specific on mm -hmm. in PE, yeah. it's almost non-existent yeah. now. You know, a couple of hours yeah, over the I'm course sure. of that. A, a teacher training is is simply not enough yeah so not it's not necessarily mm -hmm. just to do with the, the the skills but it's the confidence to actually then go on and deliver that now and and and, and you can mm -hmm. picture the, the newly qualified primary school teacher going into the hall <laughs> with their year four class for the first time and all the children are in their PE kit and yeah. they're all super excited about PE and you it, 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 I would imagine it's a very intimidating scenario. You know, I still get that Absolutely. those butterflies when I'm starting a new unit with a with a junior school class now, and I've been doing this for best part of two decades. 
So, yeah, yeah. the more practice that te- initial teacher trainees are given, the more confidence mm. they're going to go into that first lesson with. But if you if you concentrate on the things that you understand, then you can't go far wrong. So starting off with simple movements, hopping, skipping, jumping, those are things that most adults mm-hmm. can do. Um, and mm-hmm. and we can start there and it then it just it snowballs. And once you get that confidence that actually I can do this, then all of a sudden you realise you can do all the do all sorts of other things as well. I think as adults we take for granted all those simple movements that we can do. Uh, completely. Uh, no, like, we do, don't we? We we, we, yeah. we call them we call them functional movements uh, in PE now at the right. moment. And okay. it is it is those huh. things that you use in your day to day life. Lifting shopping bags, yeah. carrying things in from the car, mm-hmm, carrying mm-hmm. your your two yeah. year old toddler, yeah. um, pushing a pushing yeah. a shopping trolley. These are skills that we have learned as adults, but we've got to have learned the the functional movements in order to be able to do those things. And I think when we look mm-hmm. at things like the obesity issues and the you know the lack of movement and the lack of people taking part in physical activity a lot of that stems from not having those functional movement skills to be confident enough to say no I can go and do this I can go out for a walk or I can go out for a jog or I can go to the gym or I can go and have a kickabout with my child in the park if you don't Mm -hmm. have those fundamental initial building blocks then you're always going to be one step behind so giving those Mm -hmm. to children at a young age is so vitally important it's far more important to impart those bits of learning and those bits of education than it is teaching them how to hold a hockey stick (laughs) yeah no I I agree like completely and I think like you're right the phrase building blocks is one that you know if you need to be able to break it down you need to know how you kind of get to the end point but I kind of like I like to make the comparison in maths to the idea of column addition and of how many parents have said to me when I was teaching you to can't you just teach them column addition and I think probably translate to PE as well is that I know I can catch a ball, but I don't remember all the steps before that that I was taught. And I think it kind of crosses subject boundaries, that kind of idea of I can do it, but I don't remember how I was taught to do it because it was so long ago, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, and you can, you can reel off thousands of examples across adulthood where we just mm. do things on instinct, don't we? And and actually we yeah, forget that yeah. there was a process to get to that point um yes and throwing throwing and catching the ball is the best example there's there's a whole series of movements mm-hmm. involved in yeah. throwing a throwing yes. a tennis ball against the wall and and each of those is critical towards that final that final outcome and and that's exactly the same in in maths or it's exactly the same in in understanding how to formulate sentences or be able to talk about mm-hmm. um you know to be able to compare different different um periods in history every subject has that it's all about building blocks and if the building blocks for PE are those Mm -hmm. fundamental movement skills then really that's got to be the starting point for everything that we do and now I talk in the book uh, quite a lot about fundamental movement skills and and breaking breaking activities down into their, their their basic elements before trying to deliver an entire skill within a sporting context which a lot of the time to a lot of children is completely alien 
know, I, I used the example uh, talking to somebody a, a week or so ago about um, uh, rotations in volleyball. Okay, so so right. hmm. you could sp- you can spend ages teaching children about how rotations, which is wh- how you move around the court each time you've had a service in volleyball. It's intricately complicated, and there's all sorts of tactics, and it's, you're never going to use it in adulthood unless you play volleyball. So why are we spending time in in key stage three PE teaching rotations in volleyball when we could be teaching them? how to jump, hop, skip, run, catch or throw. And I think if we can, I'm not saying that, and, and it makes me sound like I'm saying there is no place for sport in PA. And that's absolutely, of course, not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is mm-hmm. that we need to really look at these fundamental skills first and prioritise those instead of trying to teach the children explicit sports that perhaps have no relation to the world in which they, they, uh, they're functioning in. Yeah. No, but I agree, like hundred um, percent. I kind of uh, I want I want to go and introduce the book now. So uh, it's called the Happiness Fac- Happiness Factories, um, a success driven approach to holistic physical education. Um, I wanted to go with just the first question of like maybe what or who inspired you to write it. Uh, yeah, so Happiness Factories. Happiness Factories came about um, in the two years prior to. Uh, COVID and I was it started off as a mm-hmm. series of just kind of rambly either journal diary articles that I, I, I was trying to keep a journal uh, a, a sort of a gratitude journal of my time working in Cairo in Egypt um, and it sort of morphed into trying to ask myself questions and and answer questions about why I was doing what I was doing why were we as a P department doing certain things and then I got a bit more um I know, keen on the idea of writing. So I started writing blog articles for various publications or websites. And then I looked at it one day and thought, I've actually got something tangible here that I could put together. Um, and that was where the idea for Happiness Factories came about. And then I was I, I was one of the fortunate people that was able to use lockdown and, and the periods of time um, during COVID for a little bit of kind of personal time. Um, and... I tried to put it all together and happiness factories is what came out as, as a result of it. And the other thing was that I was during COVID and in the period immediately pre- preceding COVID, I was working internationally in PE, starting to talk to other teachers who were working internationally in PE and began to realise that there were all these people out there, whether they were British trained teachers or American or Australian trained teachers, all out there battling with fundamentally the same questions about our subject that I was, you know, what is it about? Are we really doing it in the most effective way? Um, and I started to learn from all of these other PE teachers about the approaches that they were taking to things and their ideas what to what PE could be, um, understanding their perception of what we, we when we talk about holistic education, what did that mean in a PE context? And and I, and I thought there was a really good opportunity to make happiness factories more than just. 40,000 of my words, but, but, but other people's stories as well. And so you'll see throughout the book, there are um, reflections and commentaries and case studies from teachers all over the world. Um, and, and it really became a platform for them to have a voice. I think um, as British trained PE teachers, we always look towards home for our inspiration. And, and I sometimes think we forget that there are thousands of 
highly trained, highly experienced, UK trained, qualified PE teachers and teachers in general working all over the world, effectively doing the same thing that all the PE teachers in the UK are doing. And they don't really have a platform or they didn't really have a platform to have their stories told. And, and, and I, I decided that I wanted it to be more than just my story. And I think the, the thing that I'm most proud about with Happiness Factories is that it gave so many people a platform to tell really inspiring stories about what they're doing in their context. What does holistic mean in terms of a PE? I don't want to say like PE planning, but I feel like more in terms of a PE thought process for a lesson. Yeah, so it, it, it's funny. I um, It changes depending on who you speak to. Um, so the word holistic for me means looking at the whole child um, and mm -hmm. not just the physical bit of the child. Um, and, and, and it's one of these terms that's banded around education uh, in, in many different forms, isn't it? But, but I think that's what, if I had to write a definition of what holistic means to me, it means looking at a child as a, as a whole entity and not just a physical being. Um, so it's looking at, it's looking at all of those character traits. It's looking at all of those things that make up well-rounded young people and then, and then well-rounded adults. So how well can you communicate? How well can you, yeah uh process cognitively how well can you recall information uh on demand and how well can you problem solve um and and, and then how can you interact socially with other people and can you take on different roles within group dynamics can you work individually on a on a task and can you work with other people on a task and then you lump that in with those fundamental movement skills that we talked about and some sporting knowledge if that fits in with your curriculum and you look at their physical well-being and their their mental well-being how resilient they are how how much of a growth mindset do they have and and, and all of those things together make up a, a rounded individual and if you can if you can deliver a PE curriculum that touches on all of those things then then I would argue that you are being very holistic in your approach and again it's not unique to PE is it it's something that we talk about in schools mm -hmm. in many different contexts within our schools but I think traditionally PE was very much a physical skill uh, yeah. based subject and I think mm -hmm we're now moving towards something that imparts far more than just physical skills. Um, and I think that's really valuable. And, and in a world where lots of people question the value of PE, hmm. um, I think that as long as you can deliver it in a physically rich environment um, and something, something that I'm very passionate about when I talk to people about PE is that it must be a movement driven sect. Mm -hmm. um, there is no substitute for getting children moving because it's so important because for a lot of them, it'll be the only time during their day that they do move mm -hmm. um, moderately intensely. But we can deliver all of these things through that physical medium. Why wouldn't we? Why would we not want to develop all of those other parts to our pupils and, and, and support the learning that's going on in other areas of the school as well? 
quite often PE seen as something seen as a bit of a silo on its own. Yeah. Um, I don't know, people look at PE teachers differently from yes. from, from, from from all other teachers. But, <laughs> yeah, but ultimately we're all teachers, we're all working within a school and we're all trying to do we're all trying to do our bit towards a, a whole, which is mm-hmm. to develop levers, whether that's leaving at the end of year six or leaving at the end of year eleven or thirteen or leaving university or even adult learners. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to get those children or those learners to a certain point and PE can play a really important role in that. So let's let's use it as a vehicle to deliver more than just some physical sporting skills and reap the benefits of that across all sorts of different areas of the school. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kind of wanted to ask, you know, how, how do you, for all students, put the idea of PE and happiness together and like I just have this image in my mind uh, at one of my one of the schools I worked at we used to do like the daily mile um so straight after assembly we had a massive field at my old school they used to like walk to the field and do like a few laps and I just remember this kind of one year six boy I could like see him going to like hide in the toilet or just like cowering away from the physical exercise so I wonder yeah, like I said, like how do you link PE and happiness for every child if we're thinking about it holistically, you know? The uh the daily mile is a is an interesting one. It's a bit <laughs> like uh it's a bit like Marmite or English mustard, yeah, isn't it? It's absolutely. um you either love it yeah. you love it or you hate it. Yeah. Um mm. and lots of people lots of people place real value on things like the, the daily mile because it's it's giving children the opportunity to exercise Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think that is you know absolutely important and it has its place but but also it's a very very narrow-minded view of exercise isn't it Mm -hmm. let's all make children walk walk or run for five laps of the school field is is possibly possibly counterintuitive if we're trying to inspire children to Mm -hmm. want to move Um, but uh, every child is individual Mm -hmm. You know, every child is individual um, and every child has a unique set of characteristics that we need to understand and we need to um, work with in order to inspire them. And, and, And we inspire every child in different ways. And again, that's something that every single teacher, regardless of what subject they they work in, will know that each child within your each child within your class is a unique individual and needs to be treated as such. And PE is absolutely no different. And for too long, we taught to the top in PE. And and you know, some people will, will argue that they didn't do that. But the, the, the majority of PE was always taught to the, the, the middle to top end of classes. And, and, and we were trying to drive all the children up to a level that perhaps wasn't appropriate for them and I think now modern and and actually when you hear all those horror stories that people tell you about why they hated PE yeah. it was either because it was either because of showers gym knickers or a shouting <laughs> PE teacher yeah. or more likely it was because they were being asked to do things that at that time in their life they didn't feel confident or capable of doing mm-hmm. now we take a much more evidence-based research-based approach to PE we understand that different children need to develop in different ways and need to be stimulated in different ways and 
not every child is as enthused by team sports mm-hmm. uh, and not every child wants to go and run a mile around a field for their exercise. So in my school, we introduced things like, uh, we're, we're lucky enough to have a swimming pool. Uh, we've introduced things like water uh, uh, water polo and, and aqua aerobics. And we've just introduced skateboarding oh, wow. uh, at lunchtime. And we're looking at rollerblading club. And we've introduced all these things that are not Amazing. your traditional sports mm-hmm. in order to try and ins- capture that inspiration, that spark moment, the children that like to do other things. You know? mm-hmm. uh, I remember when I was at school that we would all, um, we would dread the time when it was gymnastics turn and we all had to go and do gymnastics. And I'm sure there were children within that class for whom that was the only term that they really were inspired by and mm-hmm. all the other ones where they had to go out and throw rugby balls around or or kick footballs or play basketball that wasn't the bit mm-hmm. that inspired them but that gymnastics term which which I thought was the bit that didn't fit with me may well have fitted other people so we can't just we can't just look at our classes as a whole we have to break them down into their individuals and find find the thing that inspires that child it's all about creating a spark and and our primary job as PE teachers is to generate a spark within mm. each individual child that makes them say, that's something I think I might like to do again. Mm-hmm. Because doing it again leads to doing it again and again. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, hopefully, that leads to them wanting to go on and do that activity or something similar yeah. throughout the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I think you can't do that unless you understand each child you understand mm-hmm. what motivates them within your subject mm-hmm. and then you deliver that opportunity to each child in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It reminds me of, of my PE days in high school, like walking into the gym and seeing badminton nets up and shuttlecocks and wishing they were tennis rackets and tennis nets. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like wishing every day there'd be a tennis net and not a badminton net. <laughs> Um, I think like we we see children a lot differently now to when a lot of us went to school and I I think it sounds your PE provision sounds amazing but I also like it's nice that it kind of matches what's going on in PE in like the outside world and in the professional world because I feel like even in, in the Olympics the selection of sports is changing slowly so you know we always talk about like teaching real life in a classroom and that that shows is just as important as any classroom as it is in a PE classroom PE lesson. No, absolutely. I wrote an art, I, I wrote an article that got picked up um, by a magazine um, a little while ago now about the, the idea that um, the next generation are coming and you know the mm. children are coming and and mm. if we don't listen to them, not just as PE teachers but as as uh, you know uh, the the current grown-up generation if we don't appreciate that the things that the children of today are inspired by Mm -hmm. relate to want to do are enthused by are different to the things that we were then we're just not going to relate to them so you know we we, the winter olympics with the snowboarders and the Mm -hmm. the ski moguls and all of these things that my children who are all teenagers sat and watched and mesmerized by yeah Uh 
and and you look at the Olympics with the skateboarders and the BMX, and that's yeah. what's inspiring yeah. them. Yeah. So absolutely. why on earth are we not doing that yeah. Yeah. to inspire them to want to move? Yeah, like absolutely. That, if, if, if the choice is between getting on a skateboard or sitting on your phone, then surely getting on your skateboard at lunchtime is the better option. So if, if, mm. if, if in our schools we give them the opportunity to do that, instead of just sit, eat their lunch, on, or sit on their phones if they're allowed mm. phones, or just sit and talk, yeah. then let's get them on their skateboards. What harm is it going to do? Yeah. And 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 the and the other thing is anything that we can do. And if anybody's listening to this and is an avid footballer, then I apologise. I'm not picking <laughs> on football particularly. But anything we can do that reduces that that toxic masculinity of yeah. mm-hmm. boys kicking footballs around playgrounds whilst girls stand on the sidelines and watch because mm-hmm. they can't get involved because they don't mm-hmm. feel they have a place. Yeah. Anything we can do to remove that from our schools is critical mm-hmm. because it, it's. It's been there in the background all for as long as I can remember. Yeah, and absolutely. No school should be an environment in which that is, an, that is acceptable. So let's go and find other things for these children to want to do. Three, yeah. of, the, three of the kids that were skateboarding today on the playground were, were, were girls and three of them were boys and it was great. Mm-hmm. And why shouldn't it be like that? Absolutely, yeah. It's funny because I think that like the Olympic legacy lived lived on still now I think that's why we have coaches maybe I don't know but it seems like the women's FA Cup win has kind of gone quiet so it's interesting like this the gender split in a PE in PE as a, as a yes as a subject or as like you say as a break time game um, yeah and I think um I, I'm going to stand up for, for PE teachers across across the UK and across the world and say we are not the PE teachers that uh our parents had and and you know we have a much more modern outlook on life and there are some uh, some outstanding PE teachers at the very forefront Mm -hmm. gender equality within schools and doing Mm -hmm. fantastic work on all sorts of things to do with equity of provision Mm -hmm. and we are we are so much further forward in what is a really challenging environment in, mm-hmm. for those some of those issues we are so much further forward than um perhaps people give us credit for and and, and i don't believe there's any p teachers that will listen to this at some point in the future mm-hmm. who aren't thinking these things who aren't considering them who aren't actively Absolutely. out there looking for opportunities for genuine equality within their provision because yeah. it's so important to us as p teachers that every child it doesn't matter what gender they are what they're they're cultural background is what their race is their you know how they identify it's irrelevant they should all feel safe enough to want to go and do something physical mm-hmm. with their bodies that gets them moving that they enjoy because fundamentally as human beings that's what we're designed to do mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um i'm gonna delve right into the book but uh, before that uh, i hope it's okay we we're just gonna take a little news and uh, ad break and then yeah i'm gonna uh, straight into a couple of quotes okay. from the book so uh, I will mute you just for a sec and then bring you back in this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational a leading publisher of books directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward thinking schools in the UK and beyond 
Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Christian Institute website carries a story on the reminder by Minister of State for Schools, Nick Gibb, that schools in England have a duty to remain politically impartial in their teaching and extracurricular activities. The guidance was published last year. But Mr Gibb was responding to MP Miriam Cates' references to a YouGov poll, which appears to reveal that the majority of UK children are being taught political ideology as fact. And he issued the reminder. Ms Cates was referencing a view that children are being taught that they can be born in the wrong body, as well as resources being used in schools which focus on the topic of gender identity. The DfE guidance comes as Scotland attempts to introduce new legislation on gender recognition, which is opposed by Westminster. The guidance states that schools should not under any circumstances work with or use materials produced by external agencies that take extreme political positions. The Varsity website reports on findings by a right-wing think tank that elite universities were more likely to use progressive terminology on their websites. Cambridge tops the table in the Radical Progressive University Guide, although the think tank Civitas does not appear to see this as a positive. Varsity highlights comments reported in the Daily Mail, which warned that half of our universities peddle their woke agenda to students. The think tank generated the findings after exploring university websites and news reports, looking for a series of key phrases including trigger warning, white privilege and anti-racism. Those with high incidences of key phrases were at the top of the table. Varsity acknowledges a view that Cambridge's political culture is to the left of the national one, but also highlights key figures in academia who fe feature prominently in the conservative press. It's hard to stay away from politics as announcements of strikes continued late last week. The TES reports on the continued deadlock in Scotland, whilst the Evening Standard covers talks between ministers and unions in England after the NEU confirmed strike dates for the coming weeks and months. These strikes are set to impact schools in England and Wales, although the BBC further reports on talks in Wales. Its news website reports that teachers and school leaders have been offered a one-off payment by the Welsh Government, similar to that offered to health workers, although unions have already said that the offer is not enough. Scottish media outlets have also carried a story about what it describes as fears about violence in schools. A clip now widely shared on social media shows an altercation between two students and that took place on the same day a male pupil was left unconscious following an assault. Whilst Police Scotland have said it's investigating both incidents, it has sparked debate on the state of behaviour in schools, particularly as such incidents have featured in headlines before. The Scottish Government has previously stated they're investing an additional £15 million this year to enhance capacity to effectively meet the needs of young people and that they were very clear that violence is unacceptable. In further political news, the petition put forward by three men known as the Three Dads Walking will go to Parliament. The men who all lost daughters to suicide want to get suicide prevention on the school curriculum. 
The petition they set up now has more than 155,000 signatures, which means that it will be discussed in Parliament after previously failing to be heard. Finally, more than 20,000 defibrillators will be sent to almost 18,000 state-funded schools by the end of the academic year. It comes after the government committed to ensuring there was a device in every school last year. The rollout comes after campaigning from the Oliver King Foundation and its founder, Mark King, whose son died at 12 from a cardiac arrest while swimming at school. Guidance to support schools has been created, including awareness videos. And Education Secretary Gillian Keegan praised the work of the Oliver King Foundation and described the rollout as a huge milestone. Mr King stated, defibrillators save lives and that he hoped that families do not have to suffer the heartbreak of unnecessarily losing a child. This is for our Ollie. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, a while ago I asked you what is your go-to piece of tech? This week, I had the pleasure of talking to Ian Kenyon, CEO of Wirral Respite and Alternative Provision, also known as RAP for short. So, Ian, what is your go-to piece of tech in your setting? Thanks, Steve. In our organisation, we are absolutely embedded in sharing our information and our data via the cloud. And there's loads of software out there to do it. And there's a lot of bespoke software for our type of organisation, student information management services, uh, the likes of Sims or Arbor or, or, or things like that. But unfortunately, they're all built around big organisations, big schools, uh, schools with up to 1,200 students. Certainly not for schools that have a turnaround of students uh, who are completing courses in 12 weeks and those students who are potentially returning but require new files. We've tried proprietary software. It's very, very expensive. But actually, what we've fallen back to is what Google provides. Uh, Using G Suite, which is now Google Workplace, we have access to spreadsheets, to um, form filling uh, software for for data collection, Uh, Google Docs, which is, you're very familiar with everything via traditional Microsoft offices. Being able to link Docs uh, and Sheets and Forms together has been almost transformational for our organization. It's not the cheapest. Uh, I will say the per user price matches uh, what other software like Zoho or Microsoft will do, um, but offers a simpler version for us um, and offers us some interactivity that we've never had before. It handles our email, it handles our our student information, so gathering attendance, it handles our finance, uh, so invoicing. Um, the, the, The way that the suite works, the way that the package works, just works really well for us. But with very little additional investment in time, effort and training, Um, Google offers us everything that we need. The final sort of element that that has been transformational for us is then being able to use proprietary hardware such as Chromebooks or even Android phones and the ability for us to then transfer our data and and to be live in the cloud at all times has been uh, a really good thing for our organisation. So there you have it, my number one go-to. It's definitely got to be Google Workplace. Thank you, Ian. As always, I'd love to hear what you want to know about tech. Do you have a go-to piece of tech? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hi, Phil. 
Hi. Thanks for wait, wait, waiting. So I'm going to go straight in with a quote that I picked out from page 11 of your book, which is in the foreword. Um, it says that physical activities and sports can deliver truly relevant learning. Um, they can contribute to the understanding of leadership, failure, communication, and much more. And I guess the word that stuck out for me is the word to, to do with failure. And I think kind of what do you say to like the children or the parents or maybe even some of the other educators out here that would have this idea of everybody should win and then you kind of get some of the parents, why didn't my child win? How do you balance that? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So in a book that is predominantly saying that our, our PE curriculum should be success driven, um, yeah. I, I wanted to, I wanted to, use the word failure quite early on in the book because I think it could be perceived that what I'm saying is there's no such thing as failure and of course there's failure it's because failure is part of a part of life isn't it and um, yeah, we sure. have to we have to face we have to face failure in lots of different forms um, in lots of different times throughout our lives and, and, and I think it's important that we teach children how to confront the situations where things don't go quite as well as we want them to and how we take positives from situations that perhaps don't get the outcomes that we were aspiring to and, and how we, we we develop that kind of growth mindset approach to things. Um, I think for me, the key, the key to approaching failure, especially with younger children, is to try and find the success in the failure. Um, and, and, and I liken it to uh, stepping stones across a river. So um, some people will tell you that success is getting to the other side of the riverbank without putting your foot in the water and getting wet. But you could equally say every time you reach the next stepping stone, you're being successful. And so I mm -hmm. guess it depends on how we frame success and how we frame failure with our pupils. And we can make failure... Uh, something that we don't need to be scared of because we can see it as just the final outcome in a series of successes. Um, and we can look back from the point of perceived failure to all the things that went well in the build-up to that. You know, we, to give you a PE example, uh, I might not be able to do a, uh, a layup in basketball, but I can get the foot patterns right. I can move my body in the right angle. I may just not have the upper body strength to get the ball high enough to go into the basket yet because I haven't developed quite as much as as, uh, as other children of my age. That perceived failure of not getting the ball in the bar basket was, was the final piece of a series of successes that we as PE teachers and, and you know, teachers in general within their subjects can use to still inspire children to want to try again to want to try harder to want to try a different approach to something it would, there's nothing wrong with failure but if we can find the successes within that mm -hmm. failure that then makes the child go oh, okay well I was pretty close so actually I'm going to have another go or okay I understand mm -hmm. why I didn't get that outcome I was looking for so I'm just going to try and change something slightly and give it another go and I think that's what that's what we're trying to say with the, with the book is that success is really important because success is the thing that makes children want to try again, over and over again, until we create habits. Yeah.
I think it kind of all meshes together with also the point of like it's not just about learning a sport and just because you can't play the sport doesn't mean you can't find successes in parts of a sport or you know part on like parts of a skill like the journey of a skill um exactly and I, I think it leads nicely into the next quote which made me think of it like one of the kids that I've taught before which uh page 51 um says uh, we have developed educational systems that place great emphasis on the development and retention of knowledge um the importance of physical knowledge for survival has diminished as the world has evolved and life has become less physically demanding um and i mean we 100% see that in early years uh, and in reception and in nursery of you know like no pincer grip and no upper body like i think it's probably strange to some to think of a 4 year old or a 3 year old having upper body strength but if a child never had the opportunity to crawl we're already like missing a massive building block when it comes to PE. Um, and I wonder like in an, in, in the iPad era, how do we change that? Yeah. And, and it could not be any more visible than it is at the moment as we come back out of two yeah. years of effective inactivity, mm-hmm. isn't it? And yeah. Uh, we, yeah, within our school, we've done a huge amount of work on individual intervention with children for that exact reason that, that some of the development stages that they should have gone through they were just sitting at home looking at a computer screen mm-hmm. and so yeah. it's it's critical isn't it it's it's absolutely fundamental to getting these children to where we want them to be at the next transition point mm-hmm. in their lives that we've got to try and mm-hmm. fill some of these gaps that that, are, that occur and it is true we live in a world where inactivity is acceptable and and we weren't designed anatomically and biologically to live in that world we were designed to be hunter gatherers who wouldn't eat for days at a time uh, and would have to still hunt for our food and forage for our food and now we sit on the sofa and we phone <laughs> delivery and the yeah. food gets delivered yeah. to our door so it's no wonder is it that yeah. we we are seeing the consequences of living a life that isn't really suited to the biological makeup of our our yeah. human mm-hmm. bodies um how do we mm-hmm. deal with that i think it's about finding ways to encourage the children to want to move and it, it keeps coming back to that idea of encouraging them to move in different ways and and again when you when you put the emphasis on the sport then perhaps what you're doing is alienating the children for whom sport is not a motivator. But if you put the Mm -hmm. emphasis on fun movement skills and fun Mm -hmm. activities that require them to move, then all of a sudden you're not just capturing the ones that enjoy moving or want to run around, but you're actually getting the ones that perhaps wouldn't do that in a sporting context. Um, Mm -hmm. Dancing. So we put music on um, in our PE lessons all the time for no Mm. more reason a lot of the time than just the children won't stand still, especially in primary school. They just won't stand still. They'll just jiggle and move and jump around. And that (laughs) movement, that's great. I love that. That movement is critical. And literally all we're doing is just putting Spotify playlists on. We're not really having to teach anything. We're just, we're just enhancing their experience by just putting some music on. And all of a sudden there's, there's jiggling and there's jumping and there's things happening that, 
aren't necessarily part of the lesson but are getting those children to move in in different ways and encouraging that mm-hmm. that desire to to move so yeah so if you're mm-hmm. if you're a teacher listening to this <laughs> who's that. thinking about their next <laughs> PE lesson get the stereo yeah. out and just put some music on <laughs> and, you'll, and you'll be yeah, amazed brilliant. another really another brilliant yeah. one uh, aimed at pr- primary teachers specifically if you want to move if you want to do something that isn't PE or sport related just youtube just dance videos and put them on it's extraordinary yeah. mm-hmm. you put a just dance video yeah. on and you watch the children and they just come to life <laughs> it doesn't matter who they are yeah. they all want to do yeah. it yeah no for sure <laughs> i like that that's going to be my new pe mantra just put music <laughs> on <laughs> um the next one which uh i think we've like talked around quite a bit is like the bottom of page 81 um talks about success um says success is a permanently moving creature evolving with us and changing as the context we find ourselves in also changes could you maybe like just expand on that a little bit because i feel like i know what it looks like in english and i can possibly picture it in pe but i think it's an interesting quote for you know children to realize that maybe there isn't always an end goal or you know the successes are always coming kind of thing uh, yeah and, and and obviously i put a pe put it into a pe context within the yeah, book sure. but again it's a much bigger it's a much bigger thing than just pe isn't it is that if success is mm-hmm. a finite end goal where do we go after that and if yes, if, yeah. the, if 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 there's a a certain number of things that have had to have been done in order to achieve that success then surely there needs to be a whole load more things done before the next time you get to feel success and actually is that the right approach mm-hmm. to to children to children developing or should we be encouraging encourage a an environment where success is being recognized and celebrated and praised constantly a bit like we we you know we talk about children developing constantly and learning evolving with the child as opposed to being very static learning um it, it's the same with success we want the success to always be just in front of where that child's development point is so they're constantly striving for the next bit of success but then they're also achieving the next bit of success so we're we're giving them the carrot in order to just keep them moving forward all the time and in a pe context that is just small changes small increases in challenge small changes in a piece of equipment or identifying the child that is slightly further ahead or perhaps needs slightly more support and changing the 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 desired outcome so that they can achieve it with a little bit of effort and so that gives them the motivation to want to go on and, and do it again or do it better or do it differently and i think that's the same in any subject you know i i am a as i said earlier on i'm a pe teacher but i'm an educator and i'm fascinated in yeah, in all all types of education in all subject areas and and i think the same thing applies and i think a lot of these things that i talk about in a pe context are really the same in everybody else's subjects absolutely yeah no definitely i really like you've got on uh, on page 84 like a, a visual ex, kind of a visual way to explain the successes in pe and possibly in any subject um and it's uh, ambition plus uh, plus attainment plus achievement equals success and happiness um 
how did you come up with that? I think it's a great way for I think it's a good kind of motto for any subject, um, really. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I can't say that I, uh, there was any particular kind of deep oh. philosophical, mathematical <laughs> thinking into coming up with this formula. <laughs> I, um, I had to give a presentation to some PE teachers um, in the, in mm-hmm. Southeast Asia about the idea of um, success in PE and what it looked like. And I was trying to trying to work out how I encourage or how we encourage children to feel successful. And it is that, that idea of them being ambitious, them wanting to, to achieve something, them wanting to feel success. If they don't want to feel successful, then you're, you're initially up against the real barrier to them making mm-hmm. progress. So you've got to, got to create an environment in which they're ambitious to, to make progress. And then you've got to ensure that they actually are making some progress because children are not silly. If you praise them constantly for things that they know that they're actually not doing, yeah. then yeah. you're immediately, you know, the relationship is not going to be as positive as it could be. So you've got to be very good at identifying where attainment happens, where, where um, a child achieves something, and then recognising that and explicitly recognizing it to that child so that they feel a sense Mm -hmm. of achievement and those three things together make them feel like they're being successful and a successful child Mm -hmm. a child that feels that they're successful will be happy within their environment because at the end of the day and and you're you you teach earlier so you'll know this more than, than than most children want to show you that they can do things yeah. and yeah. you know I, t- I teach from FS1 through to year 13 so I see the whole spectrum and up oh, to yeah. about year two year three it's constant I can do this look what mm-hmm. I can do let yeah. me show you what yeah. I can do yeah. look sir I did this because yeah. they want they want you to <laughs> praise them for the things that they can do and so yeah. let's do that because give them the tell them that they're doing something really well tell them what they're doing so they can make those neurological links between I did this Mr Mathath said it was really good I'm going to do it again or I'm going to remember how to do it that makes them happy and surely we want children in our schools to to be happy to feel happy and they feel happy when they Mm -hmm. feel like they're being successful they feel happy because of lots of other things as well you know friendship groups and and lots of yeah. fresh air and climbing frames and all sorts of other things make them happy, but success mm-hmm. makes children mm-hmm. happy. So let's make them feel successful. Yeah. It leads on really nicely to the next quote of, um, now we are moving away from just identifying success in terms of physical performance. So like, what would you, what would you say if like you were to branch PE off into maybe like three or four different areas? Like, what are the different areas that we look for success in in PE? So I think the one of the most important ones, um, and I, I wrote my master's thesis on this, is the idea of mm. children collaborating with each other. Because we live in a world where mm-hmm. everybody works in teams. We work. We live in a world where collaboration is exists in almost every every job role, every profession we people work with people more than we ever have done before you know a hundred years ago people worked in factories that were too noisy 
for anyone to be able to talk to each other. And they sat at a machine and they did the same thing over and over again, 500 times and then went home. Mm. Now we all sit on computers yeah. and try and interact with other human beings all over the world to sell things to each mm. other or to, to develop new products. And it's all teamwork. And if we don't teach children how to work together effectively, positively, then we're not skilling them with the tools that they're going to need when they go on into to adulthood. So collaboration for me is absolutely critical and PE can do that in a unique way that you cannot really do in any other subject when you're sitting at desks. Um, yeah. uh, I think that resilience, resilience is a chat is a tricky one and there's quite a lot of debate within PE circles about what do we mean when we say we're teaching resilience. Um, and some people will tell you that we shouldn't be trying to teach resilience or that we should be teaching resilience by letting children fail. And it's a it's a, a slightly um, tricky conversation to have because people have very polarised views. But I just think teaching children to identify the successes in their perceived failures is really important because we want children to be mentally and emotionally stable. And I think that's part of that comes with being able to be positive about yourself and to see the, mm -hmm. the good things you do as a human being. And, and again, that's something that we can teach children to do at a really young age. And then that just follows them through. And when things do get challenging, either at school or later on in life, we have coping mechanisms. Um, and again, this PE is a really good place to teach that because we're not always successful in PE. You know, we don't always mm -hmm. hit three pointers in basketball or score penalties in football. Mm -hmm. That's the nature of what mm -hmm. we do. So it's a really good place to teach those coping mechanisms. Um, and then the third one is probably if you take if you don't look at the, the kind of the fundamental physical movement skills. I think the third one is um, I, I could probably I could pick about four and say they were my third one. Leadership, I think, yeah. is really important. Mm -hmm. I think, again, a bit like collaboration, we live in a world where being able to to lead situations is, is really important. But possibly I perceive that as more important because of the nature of the type of school that I work in and the importance that's placed on leadership skills within international schools. Um, I don't know whether or not that would have the same level of focus in, in schools in the UK, but I, I do think that understanding different leadership styles, understanding how you can be a servant leader and, you know, you can lead for the benefit of other people. I think those are really important kind of social skills that if we can teach children how to be a, um, a conscientious leader, you know, a leader through thought and a leader through action, then I think that's a really valuable skill. Definitely. Uh, I guess the next one, I think we've, we've spoken a bit about failure and you mentioned that we, we definitely, we shouldn't eliminate any experience of failure within any subject, within any subject, but PE especially. So I think, are, are those skills like leadership, you know, being resilient that you would teach explicitly in PE or is it kind of more you wait for moments to arise where you can maybe do it on like a one-to-one -one or like, you know, like a one-to-a-group kind of basis? I think there are different there are different approaches. Different PE teachers will take slightly different mm -hmm. approaches. Some of it depends on what your curriculum is. 
Um, so uh, but the school that I currently work in, uh, we teach the uh, international middle years curriculum um, in key stage three, which lends itself really well to teaching some of those things explicitly. And our key stage mm-hmm. four curriculum is all designed around those fundamental concepts. So we teach a unit of leadership. We teach a unit of collaboration. Um, but equally, it's really powerful when you you put them all into the pot all together and you teach a lesson and you pick out the ones that the child is doing well and you identify that that Sarah did this particular thing and you know, Sarah collaborated really well. So you go and you tell her that she did that and then Thomas showed a bit of leadership in his group. So you go and tell him he did that. And then, and then um, uh, Justin, perhaps he wasn't quite so successful with his badminton service, so, but he tried again and he tried again and eventually he got it. Well, there's your resilience. And if you can pick these things out, then you're hitting lots of different markers all, all in one lesson, aren't you? So there are different ways to do it. I think as long as you do it, how you do it is probably less important than trying to hit as many of these markers and impart all of these different pieces of learning as often as you can. Yeah, I, I think I was just like mentioning about the me and PE model um, and what that looks like and I guess how you've adapted it to work as a more holistic model. Yeah, so I can't take any of the credit for it whatsoever. <laughs> um, uh, it, yeah, it was created by somebody far, far uh, smarter in these things than, than, than me. Um, Tom Brash but um, we uh, I don't currently use it in the school that I'm working in now ironically um, it was uh, I changed schools this over the summer so it was my previous school that is the one from the from uh, from happiness factories and the case study in the back is actually of the school that I've just moved on from mm-hmm. um, but we took we took me and PE as the as the inspiration but we worked in a very unique context within the UAE and our student demographic was um, very different to the kind of demographics in the schools that normally would be using me in PE. Mm-hmm. And so we needed to we needed to adapt it. And what we did was we took the fundamental components of it and then we looked at which bits we felt would most suit our pupils in our context. And we we adapted a few bits, which is exactly what Tom would want you to do with with me and PE. Is in it, and 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 he brilliantly agreed to contribute some words and some reflections to the book, and and he actually effectively says that that it provides the the framework from which you can then go and be creative yourselves. Um, and and yeah, so we made our own version of it and and created our own. Um, our ways of visualizing it and, and you know, the, the, the chart at the back of the book shows how we we sort of took the four uh, me and PE uh, concepts and within it they expanded them outwards to into something that suited our particular school at that particular time mm-hmm. um, but it's if if you don't have a PE model that is holistic in nature it's a great place to start um, head, hands, heart is another one that's, that's you know, equally as as widely adopted now, um, and and again it allows you to to build use as a foundation, but then build upon it, and and all of these holistic concepts um, that, that that we are all talking about it within PE really sit on a foundation of something like me and PE that really puts emphasis on delivery through physical activity and I think 
I can't say that enough. And I don't, I, you know, people can't hear that enough that PE, all of these changes that, that, that people like myself and, and Lee Sullivan are trying to champion mm-hmm. within PE yeah. are not a replacement for the physical. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we know that PE is uniquely placed as a physical subject, but it can be a physical subject that delivers real academic benefits as well as physical benefits when yeah. it's done when it's done effectively. Yeah, I think um, that's probably a great place to kind of conclude and just just wind up is that, you know, you've got a quote here near the end of the book saying, um, which we've spoken about already, that you wanted to move away from a very specific sport-focused approach um, and more focus on specific physical movement skills. And that kind of leads nicely into the, the comment of to find the success within the failures. Um, and to make sure that it's, I guess, not just about sport, like not just about the end goal. And like you mentioned, building blocks, it, it's more about the building blocks than sport being an end goal. Um, yeah. I, just, uh, I guess I started with five comments about yourself. Maybe if you could like lead us out with, I guess, your, your kind of five tips or just your five like outlooks on PE and on it being a holistic, more skill-based um, subject, really. Okay, yeah, put me on the spot there. Okay, so the first, I guess the first thing, the first thing is that now is the time. I think, you know, now is the time to be experimental with PE. Now is the time to uh, think creatively about it. Um, there is so much research and so much really good writing mm-hmm. um, out there by, by, by people in different, um, different contexts, in different geographical locations and and you know if if you're at all interested in evolving your PE curriculum there's so much support for you out there if you go looking for it on social media you know so so yeah now is the time to do it don't be afraid um the worst thing that you can do as a as a PE teacher or a teacher in general is just assume that things are fine you know be inquisitive be critical Go out looking for things that you could do differently. Look, look for the things that you could do better. Talk to your pupils is probably the third one. Listen to them. I mean, obviously, it's slightly harder when they're very, very little. But if you're a secondary PE teacher, you know, we talk about student voice a lot now. And the best way to engage with, with challenging pupils or pupils that are, are disinterested is to listen to them and hear what they're telling you and then create something that appeals to them. Mm-hmm. Um, never stop learning. I think mm-hmm. is probably is 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 probably really important. And I don't. I have learned so much during the process of writing this book and everything that's gone around it. Um, talk to people, listen to people, learn from people. You know, I would never say that I was an expert in this. There are people out there far more knowledgeable than me. And every day I read something that makes me think about things in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, and I guess most importantly, is never ever forget that your pupils sit at the center of everything you do mm-hmm. and if you put your pupils at the absolute core of everything that you you strive to achieve then you can't go far wrong because they are what this is all about yes you know i wrote a book i'm very proud of it mm. um but really i'm still a teacher in classrooms trying to do the absolute best for children because that's what I wanted to do with my life and I think 
teachers are great at doing that but sometimes we can forget yeah. to keep children at the center of everything we're doing when we get wrapped up in research and in, um you know all the all the stuff that goes around around the outside mm-hmm. yeah i agree completely i think it's you mentioned it at the beginning it's giving them the skills to set them up for like success in in life and, and not just in a lesson um, absolutely yeah um well i just want to say thank you very much it was really i mean even as a not a as a teacher that does every single subject uh it was a great it was a great book and like it really resonates with with my with my with me and like with my practice and and you're right like if you don't start with the child kind of where do you where do you start from so uh yeah no, i just want to say thank you very much um, no problem and it's a great thank book. you for having I, me so yeah no definitely do you want to just uh maybe give us like the last elevator pitch or just introduce the book to us so uh if anyone wants yeah to so happy so happy Happiness Factories is available on Amazon, Waterstones, via the John Cat website. Um, uh, it's not the most expensive book that you'll buy this year. Um, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, it, I'm very proud of it. I don't know how many copies it's selling. I think it is selling some, so somebody's <laughs> reading it somewhere. Um, I hope it resonates with people, whether they're PE teachers or just teachers in general. I think that's really important is that although it's a PE book, I think a lot of the messages echo across lots of areas of education so um yeah i hope people are enjoying it yeah it goes back to the beginning i feel like you've taken the specialism out of pe and put it right there next to you know the maths and the englishes and the sciences and i think that's that's great because people have such a you know a, a small vision of pe so i think like for me as a primary teacher that was really amazing and it kind of opened your eyes to to it so uh yeah no, I just, well, I'm very, you. I'm thank very you. pleased that you that you uh, you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, enjoy your pee in the rain tomorrow. <laughs> Lovely, I will do. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Phil. Have a great evening. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, it it really opened my eyes to the fact that actually pee is is not a specialist subject, and if you can teach a math lesson, like you can, you know, use the same skills for a PE lesson and use uh, teach those skills in a PE lesson that can then in turn be used in all your other lessons. So it's it's a great way to look at PE that it, it can benefit the whole rest of the curriculum and that it's not just a standalone subject. So I think I'm going to leave you with this one quote, uh, which is to find the successes uh, within the failures to look at those building blocks and not just an end goal of let's play a sport which i think is really interesting um and let's develop lots of other skills through pe that you can then see within the rest of your curriculum so yeah uh, happiness factories uh, published by john cat and by phil phil Matei. so thank you very much for listening in and i hope you enjoyed the show and if you buy the book which hopefully you will i uh, hope you enjoy the book see you next time You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.